Welcome to Game Talk Radio. Your hosts, Greg and Jen, bringing you their take on this week's hottest gaming news. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Game Talk Radio after a one-week break due to technical difficulties. Very technical. So maybe this is episode 8.5? 8.5. We had a lost episode last week. It's really made me sad because... <laughs> We record this thing, we do it in one take, yes. and we just, you know, we want to feel more real that way, and we just want to come out and do everything the way we do it, and it's really easy for me to upload it then, and honestly, we do this as minimal effort as possible, because <laughs> we just do it in our free time, and uh, yeah, and so then all of a sudden we got to the end, got all done recording it, and I go to press stop, and then it just has an error. And then and then we actually listened to it, it would, yeah, it had us like in super, super slow. Like, like my laugh was, oh, oh. Whoa. Oh. Oh. It was, so, and then at first I was like, well, let's try speeding it up, and nothing worked. <laughs> nothing worked. And then once I got out of it and opened it back up, then it was just silence, so. It wasn't good. So that sucked. And everything we were going to talk about, um, I mean, we could look it up and rehash it, but now it's two weeks old, so who really cares? You no. Know? Like we went over Bli- We went over a bunch of BlizzCon stuff, I think, right? Or was that the, week, was that the episode That before? was the episode that we, yes. Yeah. That was BlizzCon. Yeah. Well. And some other stuff. Well, that I can't remember yeah. because we it, do it, a one and done. It honestly feels like a lifetime ago. It does. And it was only a week. I don't know what's going on lately, but it feels like times... And, and this this isn't meant political at all. But, like, ever since the election, like, it feels like, like, for some reason, everything feels like it's been taking so long. Like, maybe mm-hmm. it's because that was such a drawn-out process that now... Everything feels like a Toronto process. Well, so yeah. e- even the Packer games, like I remember when I, because every Friday, for those of you who don't know, every Friday morning I do a Madden simulation uh, of the Packer game and then I go on the radio and I talk about it with the uh, Sports Talk guys, 107.5 here in Green Bay. And we, uh, it felt like when I did it that week, it felt like I hadn't done it forever. And it felt like I hadn't watched a Packer game in forever. For some reason, like time kind of froze you know, uh, for that week. So it was just really interesting anyway. But so anyway, getting back to it, though, everything just kind of feels like it's well, so long ago, yeah. you know, and, and it feels like we it's been forever since we did a podcast, which maybe to the listeners, you're like, it has been forever. For us, it's been two weeks. Well, for us, it's only been one week because we did the dang thing. We did. <laughs> and then it just decided to crap screw out. Off. So, um, <laughs> so we're just going to hit the ground running and, and uh, we're going to talk about a few things, get back on track, and then we won't have an episode uh, next week because it'll be Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be out of town celebrating with family and then I'll be getting ready for the big uh, game trade sale that we do for Black Friday and Small Business Saturdays. So we're pretty much going to be um, doing this one and then we're going to take a week off because uh, we do work r- so hard on this. I mean, we kind of <laughs> deserve a week off after the quality program we've been putting out. Hey. So uh, so without uh, further ado, let's hit it. Okay. At long last, Bethesda has introduced mods to Fallout 4. So we talked about this before, and you actually thought the same thing, that we had covered this before. And I did. Because Bethesda had finally announced that mods would be coming to Skyrim and Fallout 4, but they'd only really come to Skyrim. And now, mm-hmm. they're, now they're finally out on Fallout 4. So whatever they were working on finally decided to come out. Uh, they, we, we knew it was going to come. It just was funny that they didn't like lead up to it or anything. I don't even know how many mods are available for it. I think I, they just kind of... I don't happen to know that either, but 
like we had talked before about my feeling on mods, I think it's okay. If, if that's the gameplay experience that you want, that's fine. Some of them are more kitschy than others, and some of them seem to enhance the gameplay, like naming the settlers instead of just yeah. calling them settlers. It's a little bit more personal <laughs> if you give them names and you care if they die. Well, I just think it's fun that now you get to see what the community can do. Yes. So that's what I like about modding is you see some of the creative things that maybe even Bethesda themselves wanted to do, but didn't have time for. So now you've got these guys working on projects for themselves. And I like a lot of these. I mean, there, there's been cases of people making mods and then getting hired by game companies because these mods are legit. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's kind of cool. It's another gateway for people to break into the industry. I think it's pretty great. But I thought that was kind of fun. You know, they're just, they, they just kind of squeaked out though, which I thought was interesting. You know, that's something that normally you would expect them to make a big deal out of. But maybe it wasn't because they were already available on Xbox. But yeah, so, you know. But anyway, so yeah, now if, if you have a PS4. And then uh, Bethesda said next they're going to look into supporting the PlayStation 4 Pro. Which, if you don't know, that is a um, better version of the PlayStation 4. A PlayStation 4.5, if you oh, will. It, yeah, they're, they're kind of trying this uh, console update sort of thing. Hardware update, kind of like computers would do, where you would upgrade them after a while. Sure. Uh, I don't. I'm still, the jury's still kind of out on it, uh, like, like for me, like, if I think it's a good idea, if it's good for the, because it, it, if, realistically, if they don't release another console, a new, new console for, like, five or six or seven more years, I could see it being okay, a nice mid-range upgrade. But if a console comes out every six years, but every three years they make a better version, ugh. Yeah, it's a little disappointing. It, there was a story we didn't really, we weren't going to cover the whole thing, but there was an interesting article that came out about Battlefield. So the PlayStation 4 Pro is more powerful, right? Of course. So what they, Battlefield came out with a patch that allowed, if you were a PlayStation 4 Pro user, you it would lock in your frame rate at a higher frame rate than other users. Now, a lot of people would argue that that gives you an unfair advantage online. Now, me personally, oh. I mean, frame rate, yes. I guess at the at the peak levels of performance, you might notice that sort of thing making a difference. But I don't really think it would make that big of a difference for most people. It's not like in Fallout 4 with the vats, right? where it just yeah. time essentially like, slows yeah. down. Yeah, one person's not like <laughs> crippled not, and can't run or yeah, something. That's not, that's not that much difference in frame rate. But here was the interesting part about it. EA patched it again and took it out. <gasps> so there was some sort of controversy Ooh. there. Because initially, you know, that was a big thing was Sony said, well, no, people with the PlayStation 4 won't have any sort of online competitive advantage. Nothing like that. And then this patch came out, and people were like, well, wait a minute. That does give them an advantage. You know, some people looked at it that way. And uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting. But, you know, the PlayStation 4 Pro, I bought one. Um, we actually have a, a listener question later on that I'll talk more about it. But um, <laughs> Spoilers. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, that's the next thing that Bethesda's working on, is they're going to work on patches that allow their games to look better with a PlayStation 4 Pro. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And then next up, we've got some really sad news. Right. Now, for you, mostly. For me, and as most people know, I am a very big Persona fan. Mm -hmm. And some news came out that Atlas released that they're delaying Persona 5. It was yep. supposed to come out in February. It was supposed to be your gift to me on <laughs> Valentine's Day. Oh, but now you can... <laughs> I, I wouldn't have known that, so... <laughs> I think if you check the videotape, I mentioned do, that. Do I have to buy you a PlayStation 4 for you to play it on, too? I can't play it on yours? Well, I'm going to be playing it on mine. 
Well, you're not going to play Persona 5. Of course I'm going to play Persona 5. <laughs> well, then I'll have to buy my own PlayStation 4 <laughs> so I can play it, I All right. guess. <laughs> Alright, well, it, it is settled. Well, it's not coming out until April. At this point, I might as well just buy it in Japan. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You know, it, it, it sucks, but my, my thought on delays, though, is that typically it's delayed because there's an issue or because they're working on something else. So delays are they're, they're bad in the sense that you want the product in your hands, but it's not bad in the sense that they're making a better product for you. So as much well, as I hate right. it, you know. But this game was supposed to come out in 2015. Just saying. Yeah, you know, I don't know if I necessarily... Like, I know that's what this article we read uh, said, but I don't know. Like, I believe that they kind of previewed it and announced it, but I don't remember them ever having, like, a concrete date of 2015, you know? Well... well all the, okay, hold on. You're, you're about to make me feel really stupid. Okay. Hit me with it. On Fe 25 February 2014, Atlas USA Inc. announced Persona 5 will come to North America on PlayStation 3. In 2015. Okay, so... Okay, well, I'm wrong. Okay, excellent. Well, so, I only knew that because sure. the Kotaku article we were looking well, at had a link. But so. it's, it's funny because I wouldn't... I, I don't remember it being around. Like, when they announced that in 2014, they hadn't even said anything about it. Because Persona 5, I remember when that first teaser only came out, like, maybe... Maybe a year ago? A year and a half ago? They showed, like, the first kind of... Like, they started building up to it. So mm -hmm. that's interesting. And it's Atlas USA... Their Twitter is the one. Well, they kind of they kind of slipped it into other games that Atlas made. Like there was like the dance one, the dance Persona. I can't remember the name of it. Yep. And they teased to Persona Five in there. I, I'm pretty sure. Okay. I didn't okay. play it myself, but I believe I wrote, I read an article that talked that's, about that. Well, that's that's hilarious though. That in February of 2014, Atlas USA announced that. Persona 5 was coming in 2015. But I right. wonder if that's really the Persona 5 we're getting. It, I mean, it just seems like if they knew that back then, in 2014, that maybe it was, like, still conceptual, or maybe it was a different version of the game, and then they scrapped it and started over? That, that, might, that might be why it got such a massive delay. That might be true. I mean, this Kotaku article that we're referencing does have something that I would be very interested in, which is the ability to play with either Japanese or English voices. Now, I'm taking yes. that to mean that it's Japanese that's subbed. Yep, exactly. Subtitles. And I would be very interested to hear that, because when I watch anime or anything like that, I much prefer the subbing as opposed to dubbing. Okay. I'm not saying that there aren't there are animes out there where the dubbing is very good. Cowboy Bebop is the first one that comes to mm -hmm. mind. The English voices are very very good. Neon Genesis, eh. okay. Shinji's a little it's whiny. He's a little whiny. He's really the only one that I don't really like. But I mean, I would really really like that ability. I wish I knew if that meant that I could switch back and forth during gameplay. That's a good point, because a lot of games make you pick yeah. in the beginning, and then that's how it is. But some let you change it in the options. So I think if if whatever it might be, I would still play it in English first, so that I get the full you know yeah. experience in my native tongue. Yeah, I, I, I like English voice acting when it's good, obviously. And I prefer dub over sub, but there have been so many bad dubs and, and i'm not like an anime snob by any stretch i'm actually pretty casual when it comes to watching anime but like even i can tell when it's bad well in persona at least the persona series is to me is is fairly decent voice acting mm -hmm. 
they have very likable characters, very likable voice acting. It's not... The only time it gets a little repetitive is during the fights, and that's just the nature of the, oh, yeah. the way that the fighting works, that you hear the same ten catchphrases in a random order, but that's like any turn-based action yeah. game. So it's a bummer. So it's a sad, bummer, man. But it is one. It is going to be one of the good RPGs <sighs> oh, coming out I'm next so year. So excited! <laughs> it's actually funny because that was one of the first times we ever interacted. Yeah, I was like came first in, Persona Four. <laughs> you came to the store and were like, "Do you have Persona 4? And I was like, oh, "I don't," but I'll call you when we get it. And then so then I got then did. I got those digits. Got digits. I, well, I had I had to um I had to play. You know, I had to play it cool. You know how, like, cool. you know how, like, they say when you're dating somebody, like, don't call for three days. You know, <laughs> I decided not to call you for like two years. And at that point, I'd already just bought it online. Yeah, yeah. And then you forgot all about me <laughs> until another day. And then I think you maybe told me that you had it. I was like, oh, I bought that already. Yeah, Sorry. I think I think you were just like creeping in the store. Like, I think you were ch- kind of like trying to check me out. I think is probably what it was. And you're kind of creeping around the store. And then I was like, hey, hey I know you. You wanted Persona, right? And then you're like, no, I bought it online. I was like, Sorry. Oh, yep. But I, I'm a, <laughs> I, I am, I am going to admit, yes, that was one of one of our first interactions <laughs> because actually my sister had it, so I played her copy, mm-hmm. and then I had to return it to her, and I really wanted to play it again. <laughs> so we bonded. Our our love was grown from Persona and Surge. And Surge, yeah. And Surge. That's how how love starts, everybody. In case you're curious. (laughs) If you want to find the one. Um, But yeah, so, you know, I mean, it's a bummer, but I think delaying games is good. We get the better product. It's all good. And that's why I'm okay. I've waited this long. I can wait another couple months because it's only from February to April. So it's not getting delayed another year it's it's I, just a drop in the bucket. And I think I waited two years for Metal Gear Solid 4 after it was, oh, like, initially yeah. delayed. And if I can wait two years for Metal Gear Solid 4, everybody can wait for everything else. Because... Well... Yeah. <laughs> so... Let me just go over here. So, moving on. <laughs> moving on. So, EA is doing something that's making people actually go, wait, what? That's a really cool thing. EA is not normally associated with making people go, wait. That's a really nice policy. That's a good thing. <laughs> They're not quite known for that. No. Um, however, EA has recently, which, don't worry, folks, I dug deeper. We got we got past it, okay? <laughs> don't, they're not doing good things. Don't worry. But anyway, EA is now having YouTubers um, being, uh, they have to officially label their videos uh, when they're, and be uh, a new program called Supported by EA. Which is basically their way of having to say that if they get paid for reviews or if they get like free things for reviews, they actually have to disclose that now in their videos. Oh. Which is pretty cool because, you know, right now, YouTubing and game reviews and, and video game journalism uh, is kind of like the Wild West right now. And it's there's not a lot of, you know, everyone just kind of does what they want to. And there's not a lot of regulations. There's not a lot of like checks and balances and stuff like that, so... Well, obviously, they listened to our podcast when we talked about obviously this, about getting free things in exchange for good reviews. Right? They're like, "Well, if we're gonna start giving them free things, we definitely gotta tell people because." I like I like this change. I think it's in an effort to have what we call full disclosure. Yep, transparency. Transparency. It's like you know when you get a 
piece of paper that talks about where all your fees are going. Like 401ks do that now, and it's called fee disclosure, and they, they essentially break down how your money and how your fees get paid. Mm -hmm. So they take this much in a percentage of what you put in and use it towards paying fees and they pay this person and they pay this person and they pay this person and then they break it down. That didn't always happen. So people were very confused and very upset when in their head they were supposed to have this amount of money in their 401k after saving for 20 years, but then their their account balance is actually sure. a lot lower because they didn't realize that these fees were getting taken out. Well, and, and, and the surface you look at and you say, okay, well, this is a good thing. So, like, EA, I mean, and, yeah. and, I, and I should say, like, full disclosure, it is a good thing. Like, as deep as I dig here, it's not that I'm finding that it's not a good thing. I find that it's the motives is really what is in question. So, EA looks at this, and you could, one, you could say it's a good press move. They're trying to get gamers on their side. They're trying to do the good thing. But realistically, this is just to avoid any sort of upcoming lawsuits. You know, No, why would there be a lawsuit? Well, I think we're going to start seeing lawsuits filed against because uh, like the FCC does say you have to disclose like like YouTubers have to disclose there, there are certain things on the internet where you have to disclose if you are like say selling like advertising for a product you have to you have to disclose if you are tied to that company okay. like that is still a real thing so I think what they're doing is they're getting ahead of it so that they can't get sued in the future when all of this kind of comes crashing down. Like once once it starts lining everybody up and saying, okay, here's the rules, here's the regulations. If you're in bed with this or if you're getting free copies of this, you can't just give it a perfect score. Um, I think I told you this story. I don't think I told on the podcast. And I hope he probably won't hear it anyway, but I hope he wouldn't care. Oh, but, are you talking about kick-ass? Um, yeah. So, you did mention that yeah, so, before. Yeah, so, you know, so Jared was essentially asked to be paid to do a positive review. Yes. And Jared told him to stuff it because he doesn't do that. And good on him. And good on him. And that was really that was I'm really proud of him because he probably could have made some money and got some extra viewers and stuff from that, but he chose integrity. And that's that's pretty awesome. But I think we're going to start to see a lot of this stuff happening and you know there's a lot of weird changes with YouTube like I I honestly worry that one day YouTube like the way that people make money on YouTube is going to completely change. There's going to be some new rule or some new policy and all of a sudden it's going to be like impossible for you to make money on YouTube the way they used to. Hmm. And that, you know, I just I just feel like it's coming. Like, they're trying to do the right thing, but then they're also trying to... I feel like Google's trying to squeeze the last drop out of everybody. But but again, so it's not a bad thing, and I think it's really cool. So now if you watch a video, it's like a Titanfall 2 review. Someone will come up and be like, this is, you know, supported oh. by EA. So that way, at least you know that the person who did the review got something like that for free. And that doesn't mean that they won't give you an unbiased review. Um, it just means that they were given that copy by EA, or they were maybe flown out to like demo the game early, sure. and they were paid, and that was paid for by EA or something like that. Well, and I don't do product reviews or, or game demos or anything like that. But from my opinion or my perspective, rather, I would be upfront about that. And so I, I guess I don't know why why people are hesitant or don't mention, "Hey, I got this game for free," or "Hey." Somebody, you know, from EA gave me this game during a trade show and I played it. I guess for me, I would disclose that and be upfront about it so people yeah. knew that I didn't have to spend any money. Well, I think a lot of people don't 
realize that it's an integrity issue. I think a lot of people are worried that if they disclose that, no one will take them seriously. Oh. So I think, or, or, or they don't they don't want people thinking they didn't buy the game. And, and a lot of people, like, their shtick online is kind of being like, hey, I'm just like you. But if you're getting free games all the time, you're not like them. That, well, <laughs> you know? that's true. So, so there's a separation there. But I think, to be fair, I think a lot of people do disclose that. I've seen a lot of blogs and a lot of YouTube videos do that, where they say, full disclosure, you know, we were flown out to California to demo this game early. That's what we're basing this off of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are a lot of people out there, because this is kind of the Wild West, you know, and it's like, look at the thing we talked about a couple weeks ago with Bethesda, where they were going to stop giving review copies out because they had this blanket policy of trying to be fair to everyone, and then they basically were still giving free copies out to the essentially paid shills, you know? And so if you're going to do that, and they don't have a specific logo, that that feels really dirty. Like, that does feel like manipulation. Well, it does. And honestly, I think a lot more companies are probably going to require that YouTubers mention those things like I got this for free or somebody gave me a promotional copy of this game because I think that at the end of the day they still want people to know that they're getting provided these things and want to have that known that hey you know we give out copies so people can try it ahead of the time ahead of time and give the their unbiased review but as we've seen, there are some companies that will say, well, we'll give you this. You scratch my back. I scratch yours. Mm-hmm. You give a good review. We'll keep giving you free stuff. Right. I don't know. It, it's it's a, it's a fine line that we really haven't been privy to since, you know, advertising first started. Yeah, and I, a lot of sites will, like, a lot of people have faith in their product and they know that the product's good so they don't have a problem sending it out but i think sometimes when you have an iffy or a sketchy product one either they don't send out early review copies because they don't want negative reviews sure. hurting sales or they'll only give reviews to people where they say hey look you know and there are some people out there and i'm not even knocking them really but if they've got a couple million followers and ea goes to them and say hey you know we'll give you five thousand bucks if you give us a positive review and they'll say okay i mean that's how they want to make a living that's okay it's not really any different than advertising for them then or it's like an infomercial i guess it's kind of like an infomercial so i guess it's fine i mean i don't have a problem with that but us as consumers we have to be smarter then and we just have to like not let you know like find somebody you trust obviously but you have to you have to make that decision you know and that's what's tough is it'd be nice it's kind of like when they label your food you know like you'd like to know if that what's in your food you know like you'd like to know what's in your reviews as far as who's making the money who's that sort of thing but again transparency is always a good thing and, and if ea's paving the way even if it's for selfish means mm-hmm. uh you know i think it's a good thing still and i and again the more we talk about it, the more i can really understand why people don't mention it but it just feels a little it makes me feel a little wibbly when <laughs> When you find that out, oh, this person got all that stuff for free. Like, can I trust their opinion? Right, exactly. And I, I, a lot of people by default won't trust somebody because of that. But then now I'm all conflicted. Yeah, I don't know. Because I feel like I would be very obvious and very transparent about, hey, somebody gave me this to try it out, and I, I don't know. Well, I'm, let me. I'm, I'm very. I'm teetering. I don't know what to think now. <laughs> let me. Let me throw another wrench into your oh, works no. here. So imagine this. So you're an up-and-coming YouTuber. Yeah. You're, you're, you're working hard. I mean, you're making good videos. I work hard. You end up You end up getting a, a free copy of something from EA. 
So you get something from the marketing guy. You fired off um, this review, and you're like, no, it was okay. Gave it a 6 out of 10. It was okay. I mean, I, w I, I wouldn't buy it day one, but when it goes down to 40 bucks, I'd buy it. Fast forward to the next release. EA PR guy is like, well, we're not giving you another copy, dude. You trashed our game. Oh, and then so now you've got the people who are doing the reviews worried that they're not going to get more free stuff. And then it becomes this kind of weird cycle of then they start to expect free stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think once you start to expect it, then if you don't get it, say you buy the game, then is your review fair? Can you be unbiased when you're kind of mad that you didn't get a free copy ah. of the game? You know, so there's a lot of, you know, like you really have to find someone who's got a lot of integrity and just listen to them. So there's a reason, like, I don't really do reviews because I, I, I have a hard time being unbiased. Like, I could tell you what I think a game's worth money-wise, and I don't get anything for free. I buy all my stuff, but I, I, don't, I couldn't say for a fact that, like, especially if it was an Xbox game, being more of a, a Sony guy, I can't say that without bias I'm not automatically giving Xbox games less of a chance. You know, I don't know. So you got to find somebody who's really, really, you know, got that high level of integrity, I guess. Mm -hmm. And that is key. And you can you can sniff out the bull crappers. Yeah, they're out there. <laughs> they're out there. Well, and you know, and a lot of the time it's just a feel. It's you know when you watch somebody and you're like, oh, I don't really trust this person to give me the full story or to give me something that is unbiased. I just want more people to go out and play games. Yeah, you know, like just I, try it for yourself. Just go try it, you know, and if it and stinks, I, just sell it. Yeah, and I know not a lot, not everyone <laughs> has like the extra income to do that, but if you wait a couple weeks and you get a used one from like my store or other places, a lot of them let you return it within seven days if you don't like it. Even GameStop, if you get a new copy of a game and it just came out and you go back the next day and say you didn't like it, I mean, if you get a good store with good people, they'll take care of you there too. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I I just I always. Reviews have always been kind of iffy with me. Like, I don't listen to movie reviewers. I don't go to Rotten Tomatoes. Like, if I'm going to like a movie, I'm going to like it. Yeah, that's I, true. Yeah, I, I, that, but that's just me. I know not everyone's the same way. And I know everyone's... There's a lot of people that don't buy as many games as I do because they don't have the means to. And I so I totally respect the fact that not everybody can just go waste 60 bucks on a crap game. You know, and it kind of reminds me of when I was a kid and you'd go, we'd go to the grocery store to rent an NES game for the weekend, mm -hmm. and we'd rent something that just totally sucked, but you couldn't take it back. You had it the whole weekend. So it was just what you had that weekend, and you played it, you mm -hmm. know, but nowadays it's a lot <laughs> different. It was terrible. Well, do they still have Gamefly? Oh, Gamefly's still a thing, sure. <laughs> exactly. There you go. It's a good there idea. There you go. Just there you get go. the subscription. It's Netflix for games, in case you <laughs> were hiding under a rock for the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they'll sadly never be as big, but it's, yeah, no. it's interesting. Uh, so... Moving on, then. Mm -hmm. I like that. was a good topic. Mo good. Mo moving on. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about Chris Metzen retiring from Blizzard. Yes. After he had been there a very long time, like 30 years? 20 years? It was a long time. It was a long time. And he worked on, like, he was lead designer on StarCraft. He worked on Diablo, Diablo 3, World of Warcraft. He was key in, like, the biggest games in the Blizzard library. Yeah, since the 90s. Yeah. And he retired kind of abruptly, I would say. Yes, you he, know, and he's only in his mid-40s, I would mid say. Mid to late 40s, I think, mm -hmm. mid-40s. And so he just up and quits, which, you know, that happens a lot. Like, burnout's a real thing. We had that article we talked about, Amy Hennig from uh, Naughty, Naughty Dog, Dog. And, and her talk about working, like, 72-hour to 80-hour work weeks every single week. Oh, that sounds terrible. Yeah, it does. And, and I love my job, and I'm saying that. So, <laughs> um, you know, so burnout's a real thing. So... He was on a podcast earlier this week, and he had some interesting things to say. 
And one of the main reasons he said he was leaving was because he was actually started um, having panic attacks. So basically from the work he was doing, he had never had them before. And then all of a sudden he had started experiencing them. And I don't know if anyone out there has ever had like a legit panic attack. Um, they're, they're pretty, you know, they're, they're pretty intense. Um, I, I get uh, really wishy-washy on airplanes. And so it's very tough. Uh, and so, like, when I have one on an airplane, it's, it's like, really difficult to deal with, you know? And so I can't imagine just all of a sudden being at home and then experiencing one thinking about work. And I do get nervous about work because, you know, being a small business, you're always worried about, am I going to be successful and, and how are the sales today? Is it going to be, am I going to be open next month? That sort of thing. Um, you know, because you just always worry about that stuff. But, uh, you know... I never would say that that caused me to have a panic attack. The only time I ever really, I think I only panic attack I ever had because of work was uh, like the second or third year I was open and I had calculated what I thought my taxes were going to be that I had to pay in mm-hmm. and it ended up being double what I thought <laughs> because my math was way off and I was just really stupid. I, I was just, I don't know why I thought that it worked the way and it didn't work that way. And I was, so I set this whole thing up and, and then I saw the number I had to pay and I just, you know, my heart sank and Mm -hmm. I felt like it was all over, you know, and I had a panic attack then, but you know, but I just, I was really disappointed to hear that because, you know, I I guess you, you look at these people, like there's something different about them when really they're just like us and you know, they're, they're still people, you know, yeah, you know, they're just people. And well, I can see where he's coming from, and I don't want to get too real with the podcast, but um, I have an anxiety disorder. I I suffer from recurrent panic attacks, and it really is debilitating because panic attacks really are your body's way of dealing with an external threat. A lot of people, myself included, describe it as you feel like you're dying. And you can't understand what's happening. And you, you're essentially, your body is preparing to just escape. It's Mm. an intense wave of fear. You lose control. You're immobilized. You don't know what to do and your mind is just racing. Even though there's no actual threat, you can be in a grocery store and have a panic attack. And your body does what it knows to do when under threat. So your heart races, your blood pressure goes up. It goes all the way back to when we were, you know, cave people and you needed to have it's like that that ability for a mother to lift a car off of her infant. It's that rush of adrenaline. It's it's the way that we were able to like and our ancestors were able to survive. Like preparing for like that, that fight or flight Exactly. Mentality. It's your body, you're you're mentally doing it, and your body is responding to that mental stimulus, and yet there is no threat except what's in your mind. And it's it's a battle between what you know to be true and what your mind thinks is true. And that's really the, the nuts and bolts of what makes a panic attack so scary because it is in your mind yeah and you have all of these you know these stressors in your daily life and and working in a place like blizzard i'm sure you know is a lot like triple a development and 
when you're not at work, you still feel like you're at work. And I've been in that situation before where you can't stop thinking about it and then your mind just spirals out of control. And with that being said, it makes a lot of sense for him to not want to continue to put himself in that situation. It's not necessarily running from it, but it's redirecting. It's, as he said, he wants to focus on the one thing that matters. This is a direct quote from him where he wrote on Battle.net, I'll be focusing on the one thing that matters most to me in all the world, my family. They're the core of my life and the source of my deepest joy and inspiration. That is what should be important to him. And that is what I'm through, I'm sure through talks with a therapist or his family or with his superiors and in the organization, which I don't think there really were. There were like co- people right i wouldn't be surprised if he was stressed out by the activision blizzard name merger and then you know activision buying you know separating from vivendi and like there was a lot of stressful times but also think about like the people he's catering to so while right now if i had to guess it's probably back up to like nine or ten million subscribers monthly or something like that because they took a dip for a while but legion i'm sure has brought most of them back and imagine, but look at all those people you could disappoint for one, but look at how the internet handles things when they're disappointed. Oh, they're a bunch of children. Can, 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 I mean, you know, collectively the internet can be such a great place and equally as vile. Mm-hmm. And so you have to wonder too, like, is he, if he's on the forums, he talks about how going on the forums and if he's reading the forums and he's reading what people are saying, I mean, that's also stressful. And then I know for me for a while, like I really stress out a lot about like the, the, the Facebook reviews and the Google ratings of game trade. Because it means so much to me, you know, like it's, it's my life and it's like my baby. Like I, I, I built it from nothing. It's, it's mine. And so like when I go on there, sometimes like I'll get an email saying, Hey, someone left you a review. I, I instantly have anxiety until I get to read what it is because I'm worried that it's going to be a one star where someone just had a bad experience and trashed the place. So if he's even like, and that's on a scale of nothing compared to what this guy'd be dealing with. And if you, could you imagine going to the forums or getting, you know, Oh, we got to like, like I think. I don't know if it was Blizzard or some other game studio got like someone called in like a uh, like a bomb threat or something to their offices one day because they were mad about some change that was happening. I can't remember exactly. Oh what my god! Was. So then you've got stuff like that, and you're just like, man, how how can you how can you deal with that? Like like the job already stressful enough. Game design is already stressful. Yes. But you work for what could arguably be called the best game making studio game company around Blizzard. And then you are one of the top guys, and you work on the best franchises. I mean, yes. so you're you're working at the best of the best, and you have to be at a high level all the time. And then, I, I don't blame at all. I mean, I, that makes so much sense. When I read this, it was really sad to me, but at the same time, it totally made sense. And it's not burnout. It's He was just stressed. And, mm-hmm. man, that, that'll kill you faster than a lot of things. It really does, and it really can take its toll. And when you go home... You can't not think about work. And I'm sure if he has, I don't know how old his children are, but if they're young, then how how horrible to see them develop and grow and, and take their first steps or, you know, talk to them about their book reports and feel like you're missing so much. I know a lot of parents that struggle with that. Yeah. And they're not in the position that he's in at all. Well, he was saying stuff too, like he would just be watching a movie 
and then all of a sudden, like he thought he actually went to the doctor because he thought something was wrong with him. He was having a hard time breathing, and he was having like chest pains, and yeah. so he was going into the doctor's like, "You're fine. There's nothing wrong with you." And he didn't, he didn't understand that, like he didn't know what it was for the longest time too. Mm-hmm. And then when he finally figured out what it was, he's like, "Okay, well, we got to make a change, and you got to do what's right." You know, and maybe, like you were saying when we talked about this off-air, a sabbatical will be something that would help him. And maybe he'll make a triumphant return in a couple years, much like the other Blizzard guy did. You know, he took some time off and then jumped back into it. The guy that just came back, we talked well, we talked about that last week, didn't we? In the last, was that in the last podcast? Or was that the week so That was the last podcast okay. we talked about. So that. we talked about that, but basically there was one of the original founders of Blizzard is back at Blizzard yeah. now. And so, and he took a, like a, he, I think he left right after, in 2005, when WoW, like right after WoW launched, he saw WoW to the end, and then he took off. Sweet. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's 10, that's 11 years ago now, which is crazy. But anyway, you know, I just, we, we thought, I thought that was an interesting article and a chance to kind of talk about things that are really real to us too, you know, and not just me and Jen, but to a lot of you guys, I'm sure, you know, you, you feel that way sometimes or you feel overwhelmed. And, you know, every, I guess, I don't want to say everybody feels that way because I don't want to cheapen when someone feels that way. I think a lot of people feel anxiety. Yeah. And, unfortunately, you know, of those people, they struggle with something a little bit more serious. All anxiety is a problem. And, yeah. I mean, like we heard in in the movie we won't talk about because that's not what this is about you know why worry about something because you're suffering twice yeah well and like i i don't think it's ever about not having anxiety it's about how you deal with the anxiety because you're you're never going to not have anxiety whether you know and some people it's like you know before a competitive thing you feel like you got the jitters i mean that's essentially anxiety you know but i get very anxious when i'm in a um like a really crowded room Mm -hmm. like like when we go to see um we went and saw Book of Mormon and it's fine for a while. And then all of a sudden the whole theater starts to fill up and there's like balconies and like, you just feel like there's a lot of people in there. And so I start to get a little anxious and then I just, you know, you breathe through and you're fine. But it's funny that like, it's, it's, it's not that you're, no one's going to go through life with zero anxiety. It just doesn't happen. No. But you, re- you, you reduce how you deal with it. You and reduce I, it and then you deal with it the right way. And, and it's just, it's interesting to, to, to understand, you know, what is, a trigger for people and what causes anxiety like when we saw book of mormon i didn't feel that at all i also don't have a fear of public speaking or airplanes or airplanes (laughs) i have a fear of heights i i like spiders but i don't like them near me i think they're fascinating creatures but don't put one near me (laughs) and i'll tell you the the 10 minutes leading up to me going on the radio in the morning I am a wreck. Oh. Like, like my hands are really jittery, and like I, I have to drink water, and I'm just like I have to like breathe, and then, and then as soon as I get on the radio, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but like that leading up to it, for some reason, I guess it's the unknown. You know, yes. it kind of adds to the anxiety. But you know, but anyway, so I just thought it was a neat story because a lot of people suffer from that, and you know, it's not it's not trying to eliminate it. It's about just learning how to best deal with your own anxieties and how to handle it, and 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 everybody feels it. Even people that sometimes look like they've got everything together suffer from some sort of anxiety or uh, more extreme than leading to panic attacks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know. And and that's and that's true of a lot of people. You, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors or you don't know 
everybody struggles. Yep. And so that's why it's really difficult to make an assumption about a person, you know, oh, they have their life put together. Or when you find out that somebody's relationship dissolved, oh, what are you talking about? I thought they were happy. Well, that's what they chose to show you. Or right. that's what, you know, that's that's the face they put on. And it's it's very surprising when you when you actually ask questions and seek to understand as opposed to prying right <laughs> when you when you come at it from seeking to un- a seek to understand position you you start to learn that you know that person maybe doesn't have it all together or they really struggle yeah. with that thing that seems so effortless to them yep this got real <laughs> hey but that's okay you know it's cool to talk about <laughs> serious stuff sometimes too but uh but yeah so you know and there's a lot of therapy and, and humor yeah in, of course in hobbies and in what you enjoy in animals you know ther- therapy comes in many forms yep very true mm-hmm. so that takes us to our main story then main story main story of the week okay so as some of you maybe <laughs> tried like we did <laughs> This to buy an NES classic. For the record, this is not going to be a positive conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. I'm trying real hard. We went like eight weeks being positive, and I we can't did. do it anymore. But we talked about this in the last podcast. We tried to get an NES classic on Amazon. They sold out in literally minutes. Weren't able to buy them. They, yeah, I don't believe anybody was able to buy one on Amazon. but Except for maybe bots. So thanks except, a lot, yeah. bots. But <laughs> eBay has said recently. So yeah, so apparently Polygon contacted eBay, and eBay was able to provide them with some interesting statistics. And the statistic was that it sold, eBay sold, an NES Classic console every 18 seconds on launch day. <laughs> That's, that's so ridiculous. Which tells thing. you that I don't know how many they started with, but the majority of them were purchased for fifty nine ninety nine, and flipped on eBay for an Instantly. average sale price of $230. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so I'm not Can quite... I just... What the hell? Yeah, so I don't know where to start with this, because there's so many angles I want to cover on this. But first, I'm going to put all the blame where it deservingly needs to be. Mm-hmm. And that's on Nintendo. Shame on so you. So a lot of people are going to be like, yeah, but you know, man, like these scalpers and stuff. Okay, I am not a fan of people who go around trying to buy all of them that they can to flip for money. But they wouldn't do that if Nintendo supplied us with enough. Now, I'm also the first to say when the Wii, like, because Nintendo has a history of doing this on purpose. Nintendo, this is what we call a manufactured shortage. Mm-hmm. Nintendo made a certain amount. They shipped a very small percentage of that for launch day. Because they would rather have the positive press of people going, man, it's the hottest new thing. You can't find it. Where can I get one? And then it's trending on Facebook. It's trending on Twitter. And it's everywhere. Nintendo likes that. They don't do that in Japan, though. They only do that here. But they do it here. And it's like something they've done for a long time. Now, with the original Wii, like most recently they did it with Amiibo. Uh, A lot of the Amiibo sets, they were shipping very, very little. Oh, okay. um, now, like the first shipment of Amiibo, just like the first shipment of Wii, now this is going way back to 2006. So when the first shipment of Wii's came out, I fully believe Nintendo did not know how well it was going to sell. They shipped a certain amount to market because it was a new idea, it was fresh, and the GameCube hadn't sold that well comparatively to other systems, so they were playing it casually. They were, they were playing it easy. 
First year shortages, no problem. I totally understand that. But the Wii, I was working at GameStop at the time, was a very interesting thing because never ever have I seen a system that was short for the first year, the second year, the third year, going into the fourth year where you still couldn't get it at Christmas. That's completely right. insane. You had years of numbers to go off of. You knew how well it would do. But they also knew that when us as humans were really, were really interesting creatures as to the point where we want things we can't have. Well, you know, that's really true because I remember when a friend of mine got the Wii and it was like, oh my God, you got a Wii, can we play yeah. it? And, and there was all this like hype around it and there were so many people coming in like, "You, it must be really awesome, you can't find these things anywhere. And you just kind of like face palm, you're like, no, it's not actually that awesome. But, you know, but because we couldn't get it, we wanted it. That's so, oh my gosh, you, when you say that, I totally had forgotten about mm -hmm. that, but it's so true. It, 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 and so, so Nintendo... I mean, they've done this for a long time, so the Wii wasn't the first example, but I do believe that the first year the Wii was out, it was a genuine shortage. Sure. And same with the first shipment of Amiibo. They had no idea the Amiibo was going to sell as well as sell as well as they did here. So I'm totally okay with first shipment and second shipment having shortages and having issues. But when you're going on one year or two years later, and you're still running into shortages, that just shows either one, you're completely incompetent and you don't understand your business model. <laughs> Or you're doing it on purpose. I mean, those are the only two options. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm sorry, I, I, I'd love to sit here and say Nintendo's incompetent, but you don't survive this long and do as well as they've done all these years by being incompetent. Mm -hmm. They know exactly what they're doing. And that's what frustrates me the most about the Nintendo Classic. So this thing, they announced it when? Maybe back in July? Does that sound right? July or August? I remember seeing it, and then everybody was talking to you about it after I told it, you about it, because they showed the picture of the, the like, the I think it's a woman's hand holding it yeah. in her palm. Yeah, and it's like the size it, of a pop-tart. July yeah. sounds about right. So, that's what, I, in my head, I remember July. Okay, so July, they dropped the news about it coming out, and it gets a ton of press. It's mega hype. Their their initial launch garnered a ton of news, a ton of hype, Right. all this other stuff. They knew it was going to be successful, mm -hmm. and I can't say for sure how many they made. I don't. I'm not privy to that sort of information. But here's what I can tell you based on the quantities that I know went to certain stores. I did a little bit of like quick pseudo math in my head, mm -hmm. and like I looked at how many stores, like like how many copies say like Target got, and then you multiply that by how many Target stores there are. Mm -hmm. Then you take how many in a Walmart got, and yada yada yada, and then you kind of multiply that by how many stores each company has and how many big companies there are. Best Buy, Walmart, Target, GameStop, GameStop, and whatever. Amazon. And Amazon. So you look at all those, I think they only shipped about 250,000 units to the U.S. What? Which is really, really low. That's like nothing. I mean, most games, when they get a first print, like a Call of Duty game's first print will be half a million to a million copies right away. If not more. if Probably more, but that's based on pre-orders. Now, here's what they did from day one. They never pre-ordered this thing. I thought that was so lame. It is because that's and that's how I knew this was coming. I knew this was coming the 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 minute that nobody was taking pre-orders on it. I was like, okay, well, it's official. You know, I have a distributor that I can sometimes buy new stuff from directly. Like it's they're they're one of Nintendo's only official licensed partners, and so I they sent an email out saying, hey, we can now take early you know pre-orders for the Nintendo Classic, but we don't know how many we're going to get yet, but we're just getting a feel for what you guys want. So I emailed them and I said, hey, you know, I just would love to know what's the cost, mm -hmm. what's the wholesale cost, because obviously as a business I buy things like cheaper and then sell them at retail price to make money. That's how the world that's goes around. That's how all, every store works. That's business. <laughs> and, um, and, and that's why I have a business license and I have to pay extra taxes and stuff, yippee. And, <laughs> and so I emailed them and I said, well, 
what's the wholesale cost going to be, and how many can I order? Because these are two very important questions I need to know if right. I'm going to do pre-orders or if I'm going to offer them to people in my store. So the reply comes back and it says, well, we don't know how much they're going to cost yet, and we don't know how many you're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, All right. I was like, okay, well, I can tell you how many I'm going to order. Zero. <laughs> Which I later found out the wholesale cost on one of those is $56. So it's $3 less yeah. than the retail price. So if I, if I were to carry those, I would make $4 in them unless I started boosting the price due to rarity. And that's dirty too. And so, uh, technically I shouldn't, I, I wouldn't do that because I'm not that kind of businessman, but I shouldn't anyway because technically I'm a wholesaler and I'm signing an agreement that I'll sign for the suggested retail price that Nintendo sets. Sure. Um, so there's no law stating that, but like as a decent human... <laughs> I should do that, right. and, which I, mean, I would. It's not like these if I got any. these guys on eBay that are flipping them for two hundred and fifty bucks a pop. Right, and I'm glad you brought that up because here we go. So, truth time. Truth time. Um, I'm not letting the scalpers off the hook either. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't, I can't blame them for the issue because they're just taking advantage of a situation. Like Nintendo creates a shortage. And they're the ones out there getting them so they can flip it and make a few bucks. If Nintendo had released even twice as many as they did release, they're, on eBay, the most they'd be selling for would be 80 to 100 bucks. People aren't going to go wait in line at Target at 5 in the morning to make 20 or 30 bucks. Right. You know? Uh, so if, if Nintendo would just, you know, kill them, but as far as, you know, I don't even really like the term scalpers. I get into arguments with people all the time because I am a reseller and a lot of times I will buy something. Like if someone brought me an NES classic to the store, like today, I might've paid them like a hundred bucks for it to sell it for like 150 or something, you know, maybe, but then I look like a crazy reseller, mm -hmm. but technically I paid way more than retail. So it's yeah. not like I, you know, push some little kid down. <laughs> who was the la second to last in line, and I pushed him away, and then I took his, you know, and then sold it, you know. And then took his hat. And then, and then I took his candy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, but they're not, there's, there's, there's definitely some blame that needs to go there. Like, I'm not going to tell anybody how to collect. And there are certain uh, bloggers and stuff, and there are certain uh, podcast people that they talk about, like, the right way to collect, and I really hate that. Like, there is no right way to collect. No. You collect how you want. Like, some people collect to know that they're never going to sell it, and it's something very personal to them, and they, they collect it. Some people collect things because they think they're going to be worth more in the future. Mm -hmm. And they collect them on the chance that maybe they'll be able to sell them for more money than they paid later on. And there's nothing wrong with collecting that way either. Like, who cares which way you collect? But I do think there's a little bit of a sense of decency, and also retailers have to be responsible for this too, but, like, there were stories coming out that... Um, you know, like someone was in line at Target, they were 10th in line, they had 10 of them. The first guy bought three, and the second person bought five. What? So, first of all, if there's 10 people in line, that, that, that store never should have let that happen. No! But now, again, it's an internet story, so who knows if it's true or not. But one, that never should have happened from the retailer standpoint. And two, that person, if it was a good person, would have looked back and said, look, everybody in line gets one. Mm -hmm. But that's not what they, you know... Well, that's I not mean, people and it's you know, very, very general, similar but. to when Fallout 4 came out and all the Target stores had the Nuka Cola. Yeah, yeah. And every store got like twelve yeah. Nuka Colas and the employees weren't supposed to take and yeah. buy them themselves, but and they were only supposed to like one person was allowed to to buy one at one time, but people were buying several at a time and yeah. It was just a big mess, and I think I think that 
Because that was by Joan Soda, wasn't it? Yep. Yep. I think Joan Soda underestimated how much people would want that. Oh, yeah. I, I And that's one of those things where, because t- technically Bethesda ordered so much from Jones. Mm. And so I think they ordered so much because they thought, ah, that'd be kind of cool. We'll do exclusive Target. No big deal. Right. And all of a sudden, w- word got out. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, it was like, whoa, this is awesome. Like, I got to have this. And so then it, it, it grew and it grew. And I think there was a first shipment that I totally missed out on. And then I think there was a second shipment that came out like a week later. Okay. Because ori- originally it was that you had to get it with the game. Oh, And sure. I remember like, wh- I think That's Dom, right. Dom went and mm-hmm. they told him that he had to buy the game to get the soda. And then he challenged them on that because that was not the policy and they weren't supposed to do that. But the, some of the Target stores were doing that. And uh, yeah, it was a really big mess. Um, and so I'm, I think I got them the next week or, or two weeks later or something. They had another shipment go out and then I got on that shipment, which is nice. Um, and I was able to snag one with my sweet little led light so it glows yeah. yeah it's pretty it's pretty dope but in the meantime i bought you just blue jones soda because which was very good it's really because you can't drink that you'll yeah. never drink that but it's the same stuff i was thinking about driving to woodman's and getting some more jones soda <laughs> but yeah so i mean i'm torn on that but I'm, I'm upset at nintendo first and foremost let's aim our anger in the right direction right this is nintendo's fault and it, it upsets me because you know they do it on purpose however They'll do whatever works to trick us consumers into buying stuff. Yes. So I can't get too mad at them when we keep falling for the same crap. Like, who are these people buying these things for $230 on eBay? No, who are these people? I don't know. Because you can go to your local game store, buy a, a an original Nintendo Entertainment System for 60 bucks plus some games for drastically yep. less than $230. I could put together the sweetest NES package for $230 for somebody. Now I'll be I'll be I'll be honest, I couldn't put all those games that are on the NES Classic in there for that price range. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not I mean that that's a great collection of games. But when you want the authentic experience, be able to play your own games on it. Have a long cord. I just don't. I just don't know. Yes, yes, exactly. Have a cord <laughs> longer than two feet or whatever it is. Um, but so I, I'm not. I, I'm mad at Nintendo. That's who's to blame. But it's also we have to blame ourselves as consumers because we buy into the madness. Yes. And until we buck that trend, they're never going to stop doing it. And it's and, not like they're they're going to not have them. It's not like it's two days before Christmas. Exactly. We got time. You know, it's, it, it'd be different if it was the week before Christmas. Because I totally get that. People want it for Christmas. They want to put it under the tree. Man, get that. Yeah, I totally get it. Totally get it. But it's still a month and a half away. Right. I mean, we got time. A, like, a solid month. And, and they're, and they're going to trickle out more. And they already said that. Like on Twitter, Nintendo's like, oh, we're already shipping more. Yeah, because you had a whole warehouse full. <laughs> And you only shipped 10% in the beginning anyway. Get some, you know, Japanese manufacturers to, like, put everything together to ship more out. They were already there. It's just so frustrating to me. And (laughs) I saw it coming, and I was like, oh, Lordy, this is going to be bad. And I was able to get one. And, you know, I'm sitting there watching the prices go. And, like, as a reseller myself, when I see something go up that much in value, my first instinct is to get rid of it. And I thought, well, I'm only really going to make this much money on it. I'll just keep it, and then I'll have a good story to tell that I got one of the first ones. But then I'm watching it keep going up, and I'm like, man, I, I put a number. I said, if this thing gets to 300, <laughs> I'm dropping it. Because I'll just wait till after Christmas and buy another one. I don't care. Right. I didn't buy it to play it anyway. I just thought it was, I thought it was cool because I liked how it was officially made by Nintendo. And it was so cute. It's cute. And it's made by Nintendo and it's like an official piece of hardware. We don't get stuff. It like looks that. like the, the original Nintendo. I mean, it's got the nostalgia factor. And totally does. as we talked off air, the people who are buying this more than likely are people who don't 
have an original Nintendo right. anymore. It's it's a nice casual entry to get back into classic Nintendo. The right. idea is dynamite. I'll never say a bad thing about the idea. Um, actually, Nate, I'll give him a shout out on this because a shout out on this because he said like the greatest thing, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he told me that he's he's there's a theory he has that Nintendo has two two parts. One that thinks up the ideas, and one that does the ideas. Okay. And that one always sucks and screws it up. <laughs> so, you have a great idea, and then the people that take the great idea and make it, screw it up. And then there's the people that have a really bad idea, but then they turn the bad idea into a good thing. <laughs> like, he's, he's like, if they ever worked together... It, I mean, unstoppable! It was great. I read that, and it was just awesome. Like, That's Nate perfect. hit a home run with that, and I think he's really onto something there. It's like the Twix Factory. Oh, right. Or it's like that, um, that it's like a triangle where it's time. Oh, we do it in, um, we have it in project management. It's, it's the project management triangle, time, scope, okay. and cost. You get to pick two. <laughs> so you can pick something that takes a long time and it costs a lot of money, but you get exactly what you want. Or you, you know, and then you turn yeah. the triangle or it's really, it's really fast <laughs> and it's cheap, but you sacrifice yeah, quality. quality. Yep. So it's, it's, um, I can't remember the actual term no. for it, but it, we call it the project management triangle. You get to pick three time, scope or cost. <laughs> so what, if you can believe it, it gets a little worse. Oh, so they decide to sell an extra controller oh. add on for the NES classic. <laughs> They shipped one controller for every six units they shipped to stores. Ah! So you take a impossible to find unit with an extra accessory that most people are going to want. So okay, if I was doing internal testing on this for Nintendo, like please Nintendo hire me for God's sake. But if I <laughs> if, if I was working for them, would I look at them and say, "I'll bet you we're only going to have a fifteen percent attach rate on an extra controller." Hell no! That's at least a fifty to seventy-five percent attach rate. Like, don't they know anything about their customers? Don't they know anything? I it makes it makes me mental. Like, working in in retail, like, how do they not talk to their retail partners and say, "Hey, when you sell a PS2 or a PS3, what percentage add-on do you get a second controller?" <laughs> it's like PS when PS2 came out, there were actually a legit shortage on controllers because Sony did not realize it would be that. They would be in that demand. Same with they, memory cards. They probably look at how many, you know, how many games do we currently have that require two players? Yeah. And then did some extrapolation and said, mm, you know, this percentage of people will want extra controllers. So if we sell X number of units, this is how many extra controllers it, we should throw out. It's like they were, I mean, they, they totally understood their market that would love this idea. But then they don't go far enough to understand that... They would love to have two people playing. Yeah. Like, if you're going to feed off the nostalgia, what is one of the big things that was awesome about Nintendo? Two Playing players. on the couch, couch co-op. That was like that was a mm -hmm. huge thing. And not, not for everybody, but it was a huge thing. Honestly, they should have just marked the dang thing up $10 more and threw the controller in. Right. Why was this thing not 70 bucks with two controllers? I just, <laughs> ugh, ugh. Nintendo's well, making me mental on this one. Like, they're going to break me. They're going to break me. I didn't get one. I tried. We I tried. And then and so let's talk about Amazon real quick. Mm -hmm. Amazon, I've never seen that site oh, fail harder than they did so with the NES Classic. Bad. Now, again, lots of people probably looking for it. I made the mistake of telling like 10 customers that day that it was going oh, live at 4. it's your fault. So it was my fault. 
<laughs> I was trying they, to help. I was trying to help. Those ten people told ten people, and then they told. And, and then it got to like ten million people, and it's my started you with me. Remember, like in the movies where somebody calls somebody else, and you uh, see the map, and everything's yeah, lit and then, up. That's or what like, you did. Like when there's a zombie apocalypse, and there's they all, every zombie bites like three people, and then uh, the whole world's <laughs> screwed over in a day. Um, yes. So it was hilarious because we tried getting it at four o'clock. It just kept throwing errors, errors, and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, added to cart. And then you go to your cart and it says your cart's empty. And then every now and then, just to irritate me even more, every randomly every like five failures, it would be a little gorilla cartoon gorilla saying, yeah. oops. oops. Like, I'll tell you what, when I'm really upset. <laughs> the last thing I want to see. The last thing I want to see <laughs> is a cartoon gorilla going, oops, <laughs> sorry, sorry, this cartoon gorilla's going to make you feel better. It did not. It did not. It upset me more, in fact. So it just throwing, me. just throwing that out there. <laughs> um, but it was funny because when they were when it was going live, it had like seventy reviews and it was at about four stars or something. And by the t- by, like six p.m. because me and Dom were watching because we set an alarm, we were you know we were trying to order them. By six p.m., it had almost two thousand reviews and it was down to like one star. <laughs> I was one of those one stars. <laughs> everybody was just dumping on it. They were just mad and ugh. And I don't blame them. Not I don't necessarily, you know, I don't think you should be able to just leave negative feedback for that reason. But Amazon, mm. Amazon should have a place where I can leave negative feedback for Amazon and say, hey, you guys really, you know, screwed up on this one. It was bad. You can actually, you can supply feedback to Amazon if you go to your account. I'm sure they roughly got 2000 <laughs> Well, you know, and that's so what's the one thing. more? Amazon, I, I have to give credit where credit's due. Amazon has a wonderful business model. They've got, um, they're, they're very well known in the industry for creating this movement called the best services, no service. Mm-hmm. Because you think about how often have you had to call Amazon to talk to Amazon? Yeah, no, never. And that is their ultimate goal. So you never have to call them unless you and, absolutely have to. And when you really think about it, I mean, this, this one thing in the grand scheme of all the things they sell, this might have been the center of our universe last <laughs> yeah, Friday. Yeah, not to them. It's not theirs. <laughs> they, I mean, Amazon's like, dude, bruh, bruh. We sell like billions of dollars of stuff every year. And we're just like, yeah, well, you guys had like a thousand Nintendos. <laughs> but anyway, um, but yeah, so that was it. That, that's it. That's it. Um, we've got time for two user questions. And the first one we just got to get out of the way because, you know. Wh- why? <laughs> Did, let's see. Uh, oh, this, this is an old one. Yeah, yeah well, I do, because... Oh, oh I thought we were going to do the other question first. Sorry. We, That's why I looked at you with such confusion, oh, because... That, oh, I see yes. now. It makes much more yeah. sense. So this one we got to get out of the way, because <laughs> because it will not go away no. until I address it. So just hit me with it. Well, this question is from Karen, and her question is, even though you are really busy, do you take time out of out of your day to visit your mama? I bet she likes it when you see when she sees you. <laughs> if this is like anybody Just else, saying. that sounds like that'd be such a derogatory thing. Like you, you, you visit your mama. You visit you know? your mama. <laughs> um, no, this was from my mom, and my mom's awesome. I love my mom very much, and uh, so she was. She's trolling on my game she did. trade. She trolled. wall, and she's like, you know. But anyway, no, my mom's awesome, and we're going there for Thanksgiving. Yeah, so I'll we'll see think my mom she, soon. She doesn't listen to this, but I don't know if she does. I mean, I would assume. Well, now. I'll, we'll know if she does or not. Yeah. We'll find out at Thanksgiving. <laughs> We're not going to say anything. We'll just wait and see. But uh, but no, you know, all joking aside, my mom's great, um, and my family's really great, and so uh, I do take plenty of time to call and talk to her. Thank you very much. 
And she's great, and I love you, Mom. Aww. All right. This question is from Mark. Greg, what is your take on the PS4 Pro? If I have a PS4, should I buy a Pro to replace it? Uh, no. And why? Why? <laughs> and that's you say it. No, that? that's it. Nope, nope. That's the punch. Um, okay, so I bought a PS4 Pro because I wanted to retire my PS4. Mine uh, I've had since launch, and I actually downloaded the PT demo uh, to my PS4, which you can no longer download anymore. It's been pulled off the store. So I really want to keep that forever, and I didn't want my PS4 to die. So I bought a PS4 Pro, and I bag I boxed up my old one and retired it. Yeah, he's not even um, going to let me play it no, so I because, can play Persona 5. Because you'll break it. I will not. And then I can't play PT anymore. Uh, <laughs> not that I ever probably will play it again, but it's, it's going to be worth money one day, baby. It's worth like $10 million. That's what you say, but uh, I have a hard time believing yeah, $10 million. It, it won't be. <laughs> but, so, but here's the thing. If you have a PS4 right now and you're happy with it, I can't see the justification. If you could sell your PS4 for like 250 and then get a PS4 Pro for like 150 I could see it. But you're not really going to get 250 for your PS4, if we're being real. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I can't tell you to go buy it to get rid of your PS4. If you don't have a PS4, I think it's a good idea to drop the extra 100 bucks and get it. Uh, but, eh. So know. should I buy a PS4 Pro? I don't think you would need one. Uh, well, no. um, <laughs> well, the TV plan is on 4K anyway. I mean, like, you could. So <laughs> it would depend on how much you're going to play it, I would say. But, uh, no, I get the only PS4 Pro in the house. <laughs> That's the rule. Uh, but, yeah, so that would be my advice to you would just be to, um, to if, if you want to, like, if your PS4 is on the fritz and you want to get a replacement, yes, I think it's worth it. But first check to see if your PS4 is under warranty still. Yeah, because you can always get it fixed. If, if it's defective, but most of the time people are just thinking about selling it just to get an upgrade. I'll tell you what, man, like, I... I I hooked it up and I started downloading the old stuff and I had to put all my Netflix passwords back in and stuff and my Amazon Prime doesn't work on the on the new one anymore because it, it says I'm logged in but it says like I can sign up for Prime. I'm like, I have Prime and so it's not working and I'm just frustrated by it. So don't wow. give yourself the headache unless you want to do what I did which is legitimately upgrade to something else. First world problems. That's it. First world problems. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Okay, so we have a question for Jen. For me! Virgin! Yay! Okay, this comes from Ashley. So Ashley wants to know, as a casual gamer, which of Blizzard's titles do or do not appeal to you, and why? Well, that is a great question. As listeners may know, I do love me some World of Warcraft. So I actually did a very quick kind of perusal of what is available. And I would have to say that I tend to not do a lot of first-person shooters. So I think, like, Diablo is out. Is that a first-person shooter? No, Diablo is a isometric third-person RPG. So isometric just means, you know, like, three-quarters perspective. So oh, you're looking oh down. yes, like Warcraft 3. Okay. Yep. So yep. I think I would, I think actually, okay, I would like probably Diablo. You would like Diablo. I think I would like StarCraft. Okay. Because I think, I like the idea of it being base. I'm a big Star Trek nerd. Mm. I'm a big Star Wars nerd, but more mostly Star Trek when we're talking about StarCraft, I think. Um, I watched Greg play Overwatch, or was that Heroes of the Storm? You watched me play Heroes of the Storm. Heroes of the Storm. <laughs> and that's every time I did that. I, I, 
I didn't want, I didn't pay enough attention to it to know if I would like it, but it was that, you call it what, isometric? That, well, I uh, call it the Warcraft 3 look. Yeah, I mean, that, that that you would consider like a like a real-time strategy. Heroes of the Storm is what you'd uh, essentially call a MOBA, but it's, uh, it's, it's done in the style of an RTS. But Overwatch was the one you said was a first-person shooter. Overwatch is a first-person shooter, yep. And I tend to not enjoy or excel at those only because I get very um, rattled because I can't see it. Like, I, I like Warcraft because I can zoom all the way back right. <laughs> and get more perspective about what's happening or what's coming towards me, which is why, I mean, and I played the original Warcraft. I don't know if I ever told you that. Mm-hmm. Um, really enjoyed it. Loved that I didn't, at the time I played it, didn't really understand the storyline behind it because I was not paying attention to that. <laughs> I just knew that I wasn't, um, I was playing it, because you can play as the orcs, or is that Warcraft 2? I don't know. I played one where you could play as the orcs. I never played the original Warcraft. Um, Warcraft 2 is orcs versus humans. That's probably the one that I played. Because I don't think I got a choice. I think I had to play Mm. as that faction. So, I tend to like third person as opposed to first person shooter. I do like... Um, strategy, I tend, you know, okay. with the exception of, you know, Warcraft, I, I really, well, Warcraft is different because when I'm playing Warcraft, I'm sitting at my computer and I'm playing Warcraft, but if I'm on the couch playing a game, I tend not to really like anything that has to be real time, so I, I really didn't enjoy the later Final Fantasies that like were actually on PlayStation. Okay, super so for turn based, like when you played South Park. I like tur- I like turn based. Cool. Um, but I don't know. I I think I'm definitely will give either Starcraft or Heroes of the Storm a try. Isn't Heroes of the Storm free? Yeah. So yeah. I think I'll definitely try that one soon because it is free. <laughs> um, don't know much about Starcraft. Starcraft's very fun. Is it free? No. I like free. <laughs> free is always good. Because I already pay for Warcraft. I feel like I should get something more than just Starcraft <laughs> or a Warcraft because I'm already paying for it. I feel like I'm paying for a Blizzard license, not mm-hmm. a Warcraft license. <laughs> so that was uh, that actually got me to look at some of the other games that Blizzard offers as opposed to just being very blinded. We'll, have to, we'll to, have to do that someday, like um, just uh, go through and play some. You know, I, I I tried Heroes. I really don't like it. Hearthstone's actually that uh, cool. That's a that's, a that's a turn based card game. Because you so. actually you can get some perks that actually will work with Warcraft. Yeah, we should it? play Hearthstone and unlock some free mounts and yeah. stuff. And wow, yeah, yeah, boy, let's do that. <laughs> now that I got my um my sky or my um cloud serpent, your cloud serpent. Yep, yep. that took a long time. Yes, it did. Too long. Well, no, not too long. It was. It would have been a lot shorter had I been more diligent uh-huh. about doing my daily quests. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but that's the end. That's it. That's Thank it. Thank you uh, for your question. Yeah, and, and as always, thanks for listening, you guys. And just a reminder that we will be uh, not having a new episode next week because of Thanksgiving and because of Black Friday weekend, and I'm really stressed out, and it's a really busy it's time for not, us. It's not a fun time. And... Uh, and yeah, but otherwise, as always, we really appreciate you listening. Feel free to um, always message us at Game Trade, or uh, you can send us emails at uh, Game Talk Radio or at Game Trade or Game Talk Gen. Gen. 
on Twitter. On Twitter. And Game Talk Radio on Twitter. And uh, at Game Trade Greg. You can hit me up on Twitter also because that's my uh, that's the Game Trade one. There's also GameTalkGen at gmail.com. Yeah, so there's like a billion ways roughly yeah, to get a hold of us. Billion. Um, you could send us a letter in the mail. Snail mail. <laughs> you could send it by carrier pigeon or smoke signal <laughs> or stop by Game Trade. And if you're hearing this, then that means when I'm about to press the stop button here to stop recording, it didn't crash. Yay! So I hope you all get to hear this. We really appreciate you guys listening as always. Yes. And everyone have a great weekend and have a happy Thanksgiving.